everyone, and welcome to Hype A, a podcast amplifying voices in the arts around the world, making the arts accessible for all people. We will be hearing guests from the film, art, music industries, and more, sharing their stories, failures, and successes. We will be listening in on their new endeavors, projects, and take notes on their tips and tricks, how they broke into the industry, hear their words of wisdom. Over the years, I've met some amazing people who have really enriched my life and my art practice, and I'm so grateful to have met them around the world. I hope to share with you my personal experiences, but mainly support you by introducing you to inspirational leaders in their creative field. If you're looking to fulfill a dream in the arts, need that extra motivation, or simply be inspired, you've come to the right place. So get access, get tuned in and turned on every Thursday. Welcome to Hype A. Hello everyone, my next guest is Geeta Joshi. She's in the art world. She started out in curating, opened an award-winning gallery. She ran open studios. She now has a podcast called The Curator Salon. She runs charities, organizes exhibitions. She's also a coach for artists, is an author and has a magazine called Art Scene. So let's welcome Geeta. Hello, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much. And welcome, welcome to Hype A. I'm so honored to have you here. And I'm sure our listeners will be so excited to hear more and more about your incredible endeavors. It's so amazing. Um, well, we met on your podcast, actually. You interviewed me as an artist, didn't you? <laughs> Last year, or was it a year before during lockdown? One of the lockdowns. Sometime in, yeah, during this pandemic in the last couple of years, for sure. Um, tell, tell us about your background, you know, tell us about your background, how you started. Um, just let's just get started from the beginning, please. All the way from the beginning. So I did, <laughs> I studied art history mm -hmm. and I think what, you know, during that education, I was really taught that to work in the arts, you had to work in a museum. So really I was not, I suppose my worldview on like, you know, how you work in the arts or, you know, what opportunities within the, within the arts were very much around institutions, particularly museums and um, public galleries. And, you know, I, I just didn't really fit into that, right? I think, you know, how I look, uh, you know, it was a very whitewashed industry. It was, um, you know, these places hire from very specific universities. And the opportunities were quite limited. I ended up working for a Royal Commission. Mm -hmm. um, and then I worked for an architect's practice and moved into banking and things. And all those years, I also kind of kept one foot in the arts by way of, you know, being a volunteer at London Open House, which is an event that happens in September where lots of historic buildings are open to the public. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of um, sort of short courses just to, you know, just because I was so interested in it. I mean, these were all just leisure activities, not realizing that it, it was gonna lead me anywhere and, and really doing them without intention just because I still had this deep interest in the arts. Mm -hmm. And um, it was when I took a course at curating in at Central St. Martins that I realized that actually suddenly it was a bit of an epiphany moment where I realized I could bring the art experience and the business experience together. 
and it was a way of me having some creative control in a project rather than probably what would have been a back office admin job had I worked at uh, yeah, yeah. or something so so for Gosh. me this was really pivotal and I from there I um yeah just basically started looking into how I could make that into an independent endeavor um and that led me to opening well I think I first did a couple of art fairs did a showcase at Somerset House an art fair up north and mm -hmm. got back from the art fair and was like oh my god I love talking to people about art I love getting them excited about this mm -hmm. and uh, within a couple of months I'd found premises in central London so that all kind of happened really really fast and I think it's a it's really interesting because you know you and I have talked about being in flow and energy yeah yeah and yeah of things. and I think for me this was a real um, yeah, I mean, it was pivotal. It was me in flow. It was just, uh, you know, just bringing in those opportunities that I felt really, really congruent with. So I got pro uh, premises in central London quite quickly at the time. You know, there was a lot of talk of like pop-up spaces and I was only meant to take that lease for six months, but we ended up there for over two years. And yeah, so I did that. And then um, as I was at the gallery, uh, as I was running that space, I also joined the board of Camberwell Arts and then later uh, ran their open studios program for that. It was about 120 artists, about 10 or 12 sites across uh, South London. Mm -hmm. So I was working with artists more directly in their studios, really. They're helping them to promote themselves as well so that they could make the best of those open studios opportunities when the public came through the door. Totally. So it all started kind of blending together, really. And, you know, these little... Yeah, yeah. Um, endeavors kind of yeah mashed together I suppose um, and then I started the, the podcast really kind of came out of that because I was having some great conversations in the studio with artists and I felt that they really needed to be brought to a wider public mm -hmm. and so that's how the podcast started with that came the platform the curatorsalon.com which is where I would then present similar material but in written and visual format Mm -hmm. um, and then started writing the book because I was constantly being sent um, submissions for the gallery by artists who were not appropriate, who were not in the right place in their career. They were not sending in good or strong submissions, but I felt like they still needed a helping hand. I felt like, to be honest, you know, people are just doing the best they can. Yeah. Even if they, you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing or receiving is not that great. You know, I think it does take courage for them. And totally. just wanted to support them with that. So I started running these little workshops called Getting Gallery Ready at the, when I had the space. And, um, and then from that, you know, the book. Uh, so here you go. Mm -hmm. Here's a amazing all the things that you need. <laughs> and then you're ready to come and send me a submission or anybody else. So oh, yeah, gosh. so the book was many years, well, about two years, you know, as a draft word document, as these things often are, right? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. on the back and uh, yeah, and then that was published. Well, it was, yeah, it was published at the start of uh, 20, well, about April, 2020, I think it was. Though of course it had been in the pipeline for quite some time earlier. And of course it was launched in the pandemic, which, yeah. you know, one could have thought that would have been a problem, but it, you know, hit bestseller in the first week. So that was pretty amazing as well. Well, I mean, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm hugely inspired by you and there's just so much I feel like you're still yet to do like because you're so still in flow 
and you're listening to the universe you know we talked about spirituality you've come for a reading for me as an exchange and you've also got these lovely art cards as well which I use in my abstract medicine uh, card semency readings too um and you know gosh I wish I had your mentorship and coaching when I was starting out because I think you know artists need to know I think even at university level when they're studying or you know when they're getting trained up that it's a business right you've got to be organized you've got to like not be afraid to approach people and you know knock on a few doors you're going to get no's but there's going to be one that's going to be yes and it's it's you've got to have a also like a a a really strong spine as well (laughs) a strong backbone because there are so many rejections it's like in the art world I feel like it's like any creative industry you know and that's why we're here sort of here listening to what you're sharing and what you're leading as well through amazing leadership and encouraging people to go ahead and do the do the thing do the dream that they've always wanted to do and there are no limitations right there's no limitations on skin color race cultural differences you know there's you know I think I think there's something I really would like to hear more about if that's okay if you want to talk about it you know like how did you feel um when you were approaching certain institutions or in the art world in general, just being who you are given your um, multicultural ethnicity like myself? So I have only ever applied for one institutional role and that was as an assistant curator or something along those lines, maybe even the title might have been art administrator um, within an investment bank and it was managing their corporate collection and I had to have that interview because within that business I knew what they call revenue earning MDs you know within a large organizations there are people that bring in the money and there are people that you know do the administrative things so these investment bankers were advocating for me I applied for that so the head of their art department had to see me though I think she would like would have rejected me, um, you know, on paper. Um, I also had advocacy from the curator that was retiring. Mm -hmm. um, And I think, you know, it it was just a really prejudice filled kind of exchange. It was, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it it was pretty shocking. Um, But yeah, she had to go through the motions of interviewing me and telling me that she was really trying to like put me off and say no it's just dog's body work and you wouldn't want to do it and all this sort of thing and then she said oh but you haven't got a master's hang on which one is it is it dog body work or do you need a fucking master's like yeah yeah totally like you know I mean like I said you know I knew the underlying story was that you know she had her preferences and Mm -hmm. whatever and she her hand was forced that she had to see me Um, Mm -hmm. but then sort of used these sorts of things along the lines of like why I wasn't going to be able to get that job. Um, So yeah, I've actually ever applied for one. I've been a a big advocate of creating my own opportunities. You know, I didn't feel the need to go and work in a gallery before I opened a gallery. Um, I did get the experience of working with the public, as I said, through art fairs. yeah I think does that answer the question yeah yeah totally I mean yeah I think I think it's something that it's almost like maybe we're a little bit worried about talking about it too Mm. because it is so evident and we can like feel it in the atmosphere um do you sort of still feel 
that sort of prejudice, let's say when you walk into a room, an art space, uh, you know, cause there are things that are kind of, again, as I said, that aren't said, but are unsaid. Do you still feel that at all? Or is, um, do you think it's just also maybe like a, a, a gender prejudice as well, possibly? I just kind of want to go a little bit deeper on this, if that's okay. If, if, if you're okay with it, I mean, it can be a bit uncomfortable talking about these things too, but I feel like the listeners would be interested in it. I think I've, yes, I have when I have approached places. And again, like less and less, I go in for collaborations or I'm pitching to places because I will just find my own opportunities to create uh, whatever it is, right? Exhibitions and things like that, um, or ways of showcasing artists' work. Um, I've certainly felt that as a art collector as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily taken seriously, not um, whatever serious means, right? Um, But, you know, there's definitely an unconscious bias that people have when I walk into an art space and then I inquire about artwork. That, oh yeah, she's wasting my time or something like that. Or, you know, I happen upon a place, um, you know, a gallery space or something like that. And then they've got an exhibition. I'm inquiring about the work because it's taken my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was an artist that I might have known online or something like that and then suddenly I see oh look they've got a show here let me go in so I'm already engaged with it but then the experience I have with people that run the space the galleries the directors whoever it is I do feel there is an unconscious bias there because especially if I haven't dressed as they might like their buyers and collectors to dress or yeah or, you know I mean, how do you think, how do you think it's going to be changing, you know, in the near future for people of multinationalities, you know, different kind of approaches to, I don't know, how do you think it could change in the art world? Do you think there are subcultural art world groups, especially since 2020? What's, what's been changing? What have you been noticing? There's think, so much has gone on in the last two years anyway, but so much. yeah, yeah. I think galleries are starting to recognize that collectors come in all shapes, sizes, colors. And, you know, even this word collector is one, you know, I've had many discussions about. It really does, for me, evoke the idea of rich, old, white people. Now, I know, unlike many rich, old, like white people, that that is not the only, you know, um, type of collector that exists, really. You know, and Mm -hmm. certainly when you go to art fairs, um, I mean, internationally, but even, you know, in the UK, we have things like 154, which shows African art, as you're familiar with, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the number of you know people of color that walk through the door there as visitors just shows you that you know there is massive diversity within the world of art collectors and art enthusiasts and art buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, just going back to that word collector, you know, I think for me it is a bit loaded um, yes. because it also seems very intentional. Like we're literally collecting stuff, like people collect yeah. coins and stamps. And for me, there's also something a little bit childish about it in that you know. When a, when was I ever a collector? Yeah, I used to collect like badges or pencils or something. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Kid, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a bit of that about it. And then the other side is like Pitt Rivers kind of museum, sort of like 
and uh, you know those Egypto Egyptologists that you know just mm -hmm. collect, 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 and something of empire and yes, totally. ownership around it as well. So it's very loaded, and it is something that I, you know, in my trainings, I really encourage my artists that I work with to use broader terms like art buyers, art enthusiasts, mm -hmm. because oftentimes these people are not established collectors, right? They're just you know they like something and they would like yeah. to have a piece of your work and they may return to buy another and, and that's simply the art buying experience um, yes sorry i'm kind of yeah from no i love it i love it i think it's great um yeah i mean i think as you know as an artist i've i've had art enthusiasts <laughs> lots of them which i'm very grateful for um but i've also noticed that during the pandemic there's been a lot of art investment in my work during 2020 so it's quite like a, it was known as a historical year in the art world for art enthusiasts art collectors if you will um and I also wondered like whether they had actually purchased the work picked up the work what it got it delivered and then hung the work because the paintings on the frame the works that I do the paintings on the frame and I noticed that some of them hadn't picked up the work or hadn't had the work delivered and they're in a vault somewhere and I just think god that's so sad like for me as an artist you know I put my heart and soul into it and you know I put so much into it and I I got this moment where I thought gosh are people just like buying my work because it's a historical year and they're just investing in it and but you know I also feel like I kind of cater to all types of people, I think. And there are going to be people that see the commercial value of my work because uh, I am, uh, let's say, I sell my work. And uh, with thanks to Grow Square Galleries, who represent me, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a bit funny, like knowing on the other end of it as an artist, it's like, okay, are they collecting it? Are they just you know, have they just got a room with like loads of artwork that they don't see, <laughs> you know, or do they experience it? And there's a whole mixed bag of people that do and don't, you know. Um, subject though, I bought something yeah. before Christmas from an artist before I went to uh, Basel, Miami. Mm -hmm. And I actually only collected it this week in May. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, it was just one of those things that just got put off and then it's like I forgot and then I, oh yeah I must do that um mm -hmm. so yeah I am one of those people that might like not collect it for a while yeah what you normally say to your um not giving your whole coaching service away of course but what would you normally say to your artists like approaching a gallery or starting out in the industry I think the best question is what do you want yeah I think so pe so many people don't have clarity around what they want um, there's this idea of success and I think people feel know what a feeling of success would be but they don't know what they actually want and and so when you ask them that you know they will say something vague like success or mm -hmm. you know enough money to live on without the clarity. So we, we just have to get real clarity, just, you know, enough, like they say with the headlights, right? You can drive all the way to LA with just yeah. the headlights in front of you um, and not knowing the route. But 
I think the lack of clarity that artists have, and so what happens is they typically will try and model somebody else's path. And, and, and that's great for sort of idea gathering, but at some point you have to sit with that and go, right, well, okay, what is, what do I want? Does that really feel good to me? Is that something um, that is right for me? And is that something that's right for me now? Or what are the steps to get to that thing? Um, you know, so there's this almost like a hierarchy of layers of success that we have in the art world. And again, it, I really don't think it helps, but I do feel it is slightly paralleled by, let's say something like the education system or, yeah. um, you know, corporate structure where, you know, the pinnacle there might be like getting your work in a museum permanent collection or, mm -hmm. you know, being appointed a Royal Academician or something. We well, got to work backwards from there. Yeah. So, you know, what does that look like? And really, we only need to work on the next six months or 12 months and have some kind of strategy of like what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So just clarity around that, like, you know, if you're approaching a gallery, what do you really want out of that? You know, and, and this is sometimes it's lazy and a lack of understanding on the part of the artist where they think, well, somebody's to sell their work for them. Yeah. But oftentimes, you know, that's like bypassing the real work, like recognizing yeah. the value that you've got and um, making connections in the industry and um, understanding, you know, what your own business model is as well. Because, you know, having a gallery represent you is great, but actually, you know, there's a lot of artists that have multiple galleries. You might want them in different regions. They might be showing different bodies of work that you produce, it, you know, it can be you know sort of um, dissected in the different ways you know you might have a gallery that takes you to fairs and another one that doesn't um so really you know what what do you want i think is the biggest question that people really find it hard to sit with mm -hmm. and um, answer for themselves and the, there is so much choice out there and i think this is also when they then start looking at somebody else's success trying to mirror or Using it as inspiration is great, and I really encourage that. But trying to do something as identical as that other person rarely works. You know, I literally see people copying captions and stuff. Yeah, um, like, on Instagram, yeah. yeah. Um, the reason it doesn't work is because you're not in energetic alignment with that thing that the person, the originator of that work is, right? So if they are working from a place of flow and you're just working from a place of copying, you're not energetically aligned to the thing that you want, right? You might be just copying because it seems like a good thing. And this idea of mm -hmm. it seems like mm. is like really trying to get validation without validating yourself first. Yeah, it's the, whole, it's the whole cliche, isn't it? It's like, you've really got to know who you are before you can actually, you know, I guess also present yourself to people because if you're not clear with your intention, then it's quite difficult for people to understand what you want. And also people aren't stupid. I, I say this to um, up and coming artists too. It's like, they feel your vibe, you know, online. They're not stupid. You got to give people credit, you know, and they sense when you're like, selling something you know selling an idea it's just I, I I always encourage people who are starting out in the creative fields to really just tap into tap into what they like and just also practice every single day if they can at least for the first five years you know and some places are just not the right fit 
maybe they'll be the right fit later on. I mean, like, for example, it took me ages. It took me like 15 years to get into my master's degree. I, I tried for Chelsea Art College like five times. Um, and, um, you know, and that was between me being in London and then living in Los Angeles and then living in New York and then back in LA and then coming back to London. So there's just so many, like, you got to be really, like, I, I feel like, what I normally say is it depends what kind of artist you want to be. Cause I feel like there's also different types of artists. Some artists believe success quote unquote to be a lovely weekend, you know, in the studio, in the garden shed, doing drawings of flowers or life studies. And that's totally fine. And there's, I'm not discounting, discounting that there's no shade or anything, but I think that there are people who also have this dream to be famous and just want to like, be known for being an artist because it's cool <laughs> and it's really hot right now <laughs> you know so I, I think again it's like readers of artwork and readers of your energy of readers of artists energy online is uh is something to not be discounted as well for sure and I think with the thing with approaching galleries is also remembering that you're just simply opening the door to another conversation it's, okay. it's not a a sales pitch like going in, showing your work, and then expecting a solo show. Now, for sure, that has yeah. happened, right? But, yeah. And I know people that that has happened to, but they were able to back it up with a whole lot of other yes. things that we don't see in that story, right? Like they have an established mm -hmm. collective base or they've got a robust body of work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, taking the pressure off yourself if gallery approaching a gallery is your next step and just thinking, well, actually, all you've got to do is have another meeting. And that's how you want to you know yeah. remember it's like joining the dots it's multiple conversations before you get to the thing multiple mm. steps and um and perhaps not putting so much pressure on that one yeah meeting or a conversation as well exactly and also just not putting so much pressure on the finances too like if you need to get a job part-time then do that whilst you're working and figuring it out you know I was working part-time in a Montessori um you know teaching kids like three days a week whilst also you know and it also always informs the work like whatever don't be afraid to wait on tables I've had the most amazing insight and experience knowing how to work for myself but also in a team effort while I was when I was a waiter you know, and that comes into the work that comes into the business element as well. You know, always, always be organized too. Like I say that time and time again to artists, be organized, have a plan, have an intention and then let it go. <laughs> Get into the flow of it as we, we spoke about. So I'm now going to ask you about your three tips and tricks. If you want to have this as a business and earn income from it, then recognizing that selling your work is gonna to have to be one of those ways. And I wanted to sort of reference um, documenting your process because this is a really good way of creating content for your social media. It's a great way of understanding all these things that you might do intuitively. You might do just because you know how to do it, right? You're responding to your materials, your uh, processes are just, down pat because you know what you're doing but documenting this is really something that can bring your audience on that journey and you don't have to be sharing it in real time this is just, like I said it can be content that you bank but you share later on uh, you know maybe when you launch a new collection or body of work or something like that 
So, you know, documenting what you're doing is just that sort of really engaging content. So I would really encourage everybody to document like every bit of it, right? Whether it's making the artwork or it's you going on a research trip and going to, I don't know, London to visit an exhibition or even like documenting the packing up of the work and all that sort of thing and your experience at an art fair or an exhibition. So make it easy on yourself, right? The day-to-day -day life of an artist is massively fascinating for people that are outside the art world. And we really get to give them an insight through documenting through words and pictures. Essentially, you know, now we all have cameras on our phones. So, you know, combination of photographs and video there, and then, you know, writing about what you've been up to. Um, I think the second thing is making sure that you found your voice, uh, you find your own visual language as well. And, you know, kind of just spending time with yourself. And, you know, I encourage a lot of my, the artists I work with to have a journaling practice at the start or end of their studio sessions, just to reflect on, you know, that, that time that they've spent in the studio making the work. And this, you know, I think a lot of the work around being an artist or being self-employed generally, and putting you know your own creative endeavors out there you know whether it's as a curator or you know literally anything like a florist or anybody is just figuring out who you are in that so you know finding yes your visual language you know that which you might put out in the public domain but also you know who you are as a person and what really motivates you there and you know in that we also uncover like you know, the, the areas that we're held back and you know our own sort of conditioning right whatever that is through medias family, social conditioning, any of that as well. But I think all those sorts of levels of self-awareness just really help you be a better artist, right? Better as in the human, the artist, right? Not just a maker of some product. And I think that is a much richer experience. Um, my last tip for artists in business is to take it not so seriously, like gamify it, just try it. You know, give yourself some little goals or little um, targets and just try it all because what works for your business might not work for somebody else's and what works for theirs might not work for you so taking it less seriously and not putting your whole self-worth essentially on the success of selling out an edition of prints or something you've launched for example just gamify it and, and see you know try all the things and, and see what works for you and I found that massively helpful just to be more playful with it as well Definitely. I agree. I mean, as artists, sometimes we take ourselves too seriously and, you know, it is art. It's an art form. It's an expression and it's important to have fun with it and just let it go. Be in that flow that we we have been speaking about. Just enjoy it and allow others to really feel that enjoyment and experience it, too, because remember that we have to give credit to the audience, the viewer, the listener, the reader, however your expression may be. Uh, creatively speaking and uh, and people feel it uh, they feel that vibration that resonance um, that's awesome and also documenting it and sharing your work and just doing your thing you might think it's a bit weird and a bit quirky um, but you know again some people might find it absolutely fascinating and really inspiring and you know maybe they want to do something similar or, or actually go okay well, they've done it. I can do this too. So yeah, that's really great. So how about your three inspirational people? I mean, who do you find inspiration from? Or who do you find that you feel very inspired by? 
Um, I really admire one of my own, my friends, Katerina Popova. She and I have run programs together. We've done various projects together. Um, but I feel like she is, you know, somebody that I really am inspired by, you know, her motivation and momentum and resilience is something I really respect. And um, yeah, I am very inspired by. Um, online also, I would say Gary Vaynerchuk. He is, I mean, he's interesting in that, you know, he has that very masculine way of doing everything. It's just like, do, do, do. Um, so for me, I do find him very inspiring for his um, tenacity and his consistency. I think those are the real qualities there. But, um, you know, personally, I can only consume his content every so often. You know, it's not a full-time thing, but that's because, you know, he just is, yeah, in overdrive all the time, I would say. Don't worry about a third, a third person inspiration. Don't worry about it. What about your word of wisdom? What would you share with the listeners? Do you have a mantra or uh, an affirmation that you have, something to remind you maybe every day, maybe something that's written or a question at your desk or on the wall or, or as a mood board? I think one of the, I don't know if it's a question or a statement really, but is a belief that it's all gonna work out. And if it doesn't happen now, then it's just not the right time for it. And I really approach things from the place of like, it's all in my favor. It's, you know, and what would I do if the answer was always gonna be in my favor? What would I ask for? What would I do if it was always gonna be yes? And really operate from that place. Amazing. And for listeners who don't know where to find you, where can they find your work and your coaching services as well? You're obviously a huge inspiration to me and I have a lot to learn from you, um, but I'm sure there are many people who would love to get your coaching service as well. Where can they find you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you can find me at thecuratorsalon.com. That's the website. So you can find the podcast there. Um, artist interviews and various things um, and over on Instagram at the Gita Joshi uh, the podcast is available on well iTunes Spotify and all the usual places also on the website and then we have Art Scene Magazine as well which is another platform that I showcase artists but all of that can be found at curatorsalon.com fantastic thank you so much Gita for your incredible wisdom and inspiration thank you so much for coming to Hype A and I'll catch you back in London town Thank you, Christelle. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Lots of love. Wow. Well, that was Gita Joshi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Send a message of suggestions, feedback, or otherwise to Hype A Voices on Instagram. I love hearing about your ideas and recommendations. Make sure to follow Hype A on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Spread Hype A far and wide. Share, share, share. Looking forward to our next guest. I'm super excited about this one. As always, like all of my guests so far, get access, get tuned in and turned on every Thursday. Thursday.